Welcome to episode 158 of The Digital Life, a show about our adventures in the world of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me is founder and co-host, Dirk Niemeyer. Greetings, John. For our podcast today, we're going to discuss the uh, recently revealed plan to fabricate a human genome from scratch. Uh, a few weeks ago, about 150 scientists, entrepreneurs, and government officials met behind closed doors at Harvard to discuss what is to be the follow-up uh, to the Human Genome Project. And its focus is, rather than reading the human genome, it's uh, writing one, which is pretty audacious and uh, uh, pretty adventuresome when, uh, when it comes to a project, I think. Uh, the event itself was meant to create some interest around this idea and sort of take on this huge task of, of generating uh, what amounts to six billion letters that make up a, a human genome uh, and using that synthesized genome to start up uh, a, a cell. So, so right now the current state of the art is that uh, we all know that big agriculture and big pharma are are using, you know, custom uh, made-to-order gene sequences for various reasons, whether it's modifying plants, you know, you, you have all that uh, uh, hype and gnashing of teeth over, over GMO uh, plants, and then also for creating biologics. So we know that uh, big pharma is creating uh, biologics like insulin for for treating uh, diabetes, but these strands of DNA that are used to do that to create the the GMO agriculture or uh, biologics those are relatively short in comparison to a human genome. So you're talking about a couple thousand right uh, letters versus six billion. You know that's that's quite a uh, couple orders of magnitude there. Uh, <clears throat> so. But the cost keeps coming down, as we all uh, are aware that, that you know, with advancing technology, the, the power increases and the, and the cost decreases. So, so encoding genes is getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. Uh, in the early 2000s, it was four bucks uh, for a base pair, and, and today it's three cents, right? So uh, it's uh, 100 times, more than 100 times cheaper. Um, so this is, this is the mandate of this, uh, 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 you know, writing, uh, I guess it's the Human Genome Writing Project or whatever they're, they're going to call it. Uh, but it, it calls into question all sorts of uh, sort of ethical uh, boundaries and, and, and aspects that people and society may or may not be ready for. Uh, I've seen, you know, a number of objections uh, to this project, including that, you know, perhaps it would be more productive to uh, try to create the, the entire uh, genomic sequence for another organism first, you know, not, not start with a human being. Uh, there's the thought that you could create a human genome and change it, right? Make a super soldier or somebody who is immune to all viruses, for instance, is a is a uh, thought that's been entertained, which, which then the follow-on thought is, well, then the bad actors are going to try to create super viruses to take out the super soldiers, right? But this is the realm of 
science fiction uh, yesterday is science fact today. That's the theme of the show, isn't it, John? I think so. <laughs> so, so th- this is this is the uh, the reality of of uh, uh, this project is that you know it touches on some nerves. Dirk, what's your you know what what's your initial take on that? Oh, I don't know, John. I mean, these things are just inevitable at this point. You know, I mean, we've we've mapped the genome. We're going to, of course, we're going to fabricate a genome. You know, there's going to be some ethicists that are wringing their hands, but science is well on its way here. I think you know the general public, the general public is is doesn't understand enough, and so is not going to get religion on trying to rise up against any of this stuff and. You know, it's it's complicated, too, by the, the fact that the people, you know, like our, our friend George Church, who are behind these projects, I mean, you know, their goals are, um, you know, th- their goals are aspirational ones. Their goals are uh, modest and are have nothing to do with super soldiers. You know, they have to do with things that you hear it and you kind of shrug and shake your head and say, yeah, you know, it kind of makes sense. We might as well be doing that. Um it's it's only in the in the realm of the fantastical and the you know a plus b equals z um, that it starts to get a little funky. So I think this is going to happen one way or the other. Nothing's going to stop it. This is all just theater for the public um, from the standpoint of ethics and committees and oh dear, what should we do? Um, you know, for me, the interesting questions are in this, you know, with what's done with the human genome, along with with so many other branches of science and technology that we talk about on the show, um, where are we headed? What does it mean to the human condition? Um, I mean, to me, that's interesting. The, the idea of ethically WTF about this, eh, I don't know. It's asked and answered like so many things, and it's it's coming. Yeah, I think one of the one of the fears and, and perhaps the, the reason why these fantastical scenarios are raised is that, uh, you know, as you point out, that the there there is some fear about what the general public, what, what the the backlash or acceptance rate will be, because, um, you know, keep in mind the uh, uh, sequencing the human genome cost, you know, a couple billion dollars when it was first done. And, and that was largely funded, if not entirely funded by, you know, the U.S. government. So there is a, uh, a certain amount of healthy respect for public opinion that, um, you know, whether it's uh, warranted or not, like if, if, if the science should be able to move forward under its own uh, sort of ethical guidelines, that's, you know, that's one position. But we do have the questions of research funding and uh, societal acceptance of each of these, you know, small steps forward, right? So when we're talking about synthesizing a human genome, this is still way far away from synthesizing a human being from scratch. This is not, these are not the same things, nor, you know, nor do they, uh, you know, uh, you know, they're not even sort of in the, in the same ranges, but, you know, public, understanding of the science is is certainly not to the point where um you know that's that's common knowledge so well, the public isn't even paying attention i mean the media is not paying attention right i mean the the article that led to this conversation was in what mit technology review it wasn't in the new york times or the washington post so 
you know, and if it was in the New York Times or Washington Post, it's not front page, big headlines, people talking about it at the water cooler. I mean, this is, you know, this is such inside baseball still at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting time for the genomics field, uh, because I, I do think that these sorts of initiatives, whether it's the Human Genome Project or, you know, this new uh, writing the human uh, genome, uh, these, these are the impetus for the science to become uh, commercialized, right? So the Human Genome Project, uh, you know, it was early 2000s when that was completed, and that's led to all sorts of advancements uh, in genomic sequencing and thus, you know, the testing that you can get done uh, in a lightweight way and 23andMe or even, you know, in a, in a much more comprehensive way. Uh, via uh, uh, medical providers, uh, uh, labs that that provide tests to uh, your hospital, right? All of that technology was seeded by the Human Genome Project. So without that project, the commercialization uh, probably wouldn't have happened at that 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 clip, and we wouldn't be able to pay a thousand bucks for a whole genome sequencing now, which is which is pretty significant. Yeah. So, so when we're talking about writing a human genome, that's sort of it's a natural follow-on, and it's also creating again that you know the moonshot's the the wrong uh, um, analogy. analogy, but it, it's a similar very strong initiative, right, that is going to provide the impetus for further commercialization and competition, which, you know, ultimately will, you know, a lot of good things will come out of it. So, so it's, it's, it's interesting how these projects take shape, because at the end of the day, we, we want them to be able to move forward so that the science can move forward without, um, I wouldn't say unimpeded, but at least, um, allow this to happen without undue restriction um, because we know that the outcomes can be can be quite positive so so i th I think there's that that interesting mix of uh, ethics and uh, discussion going on right now and even if it is sort of at a a low level it's not like you said front page news. Um, it's certainly significant enough and is going to determine, you know, how the science proceeds. Yeah, I mean, people people care more about, you know, gorillas being shot in zoos than they do about any of this stuff, which gives you gives you a sense of, of you know, the level of sophistication that the general public gives to their analysis of, of world happenings and, and makes decisions on what's important and and what's not. I mean, look, the reason that people can rarely see the future clearly is that the way that the future manifests is the product of all of these dynamic systems moving in different ways, not in lockstep by any stretch, um, and, and each of which in different um, mechanisms fundamentally changes the way that people see the world and the way that the world reacts to new things. And where I'm going with this and, and tying, tying back into this conversation is I've, I've talked a number of times on the show about humans having bad programming. And let me, let me get into that with more specificity. You know, um, when, when we were unsophisticated beings going back, you know, I, I, I probably need to know my, uh, my history of, of uh, human biology better, but going back many thousands or, or millions of years, um, it was important that essential in our programming was drive to procreate, for an example, right? Like for that to be just this inherently important code 
in how we behaved as a creature was essential. And it's what allowed our species to continue and to reach a point of um, sort of uh, dominance over the rest of the animal kingdom and get to the point we are today where our um, ability to think and reason and logic is incredibly evolved and sophisticated. So that code was important for that moment. But in today's world, with the way that we're able to um, see the world, the way that we function in societies in the world, that code is garbage code. It's like, you know, if it's like, you know, if 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 you were looking at the latest and greatest software today, it would be like getting an app that's totally coded in BASIC, right? People would be like, "What? What the hell are they doing?" You know, this—it's using this code that is so unsophisticated, such bullshit. Um, we can't use that code. We need to be using the latest and greatest code. Human programming is still done in freaking BASIC. We still have. You know, going back to the show, I don't know how long ago it was now, but when I talked about male sexual urges and the deleterious impact that those have on um, other people in the society specifically, but then in the society in, in total, that's bad freaking programming. That's a lot of basic code that is still crumbing up um, how we behave and how we function in the world. Now, my saying this today is going to sound to most people like it's crazy. It's going to sound to most people like I, I'm, I've gone off my rocker. But as these technologies around the genome progress, as we learn to fabricate the genome, as we learn to um, fabricate a human being, as we learn to engineer babies, as we learn to reverse and re-engineer children and adults and humans, that's going to come in the future. That's a ways down the road. And I'm going to tell you right now that at the point that that becomes a reality, all these other things in the world will have changed to the point where people are going to shrug and say, yeah, of course we have bad code. Of course we have crummy code. Of course we should be taking advantage of those technologies. That stuff today in 2016 or, or 10 or 15 years ago when I first started talking about this stuff might sound crazy, but in 2000 blah 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 decades up the road, when this shit is reality, it's not going to sound crazy at all. And the kind of work that's being done now by people like George Church, by companies like Gen 9, by, um, by these things that the mainstream media are totally ignoring and people are not aware of, are going to be the technologies that allow us to evolve beyond our broken, basic, crappy code that was necessary when we were um, you know, <laughs> thoughtless, stupid creatures just trying to battle our way to the top of the animal kingdom that's going to all go away and be replaced by something um, else that is coming from these kind of technologies, possibly or probably, um, and the world is going to be ready for it and ex not only accept it but embrace it because in, in the context of our evolution as a species, it simply makes sense. Listeners, remember that while you're listening to the show, you can follow along with the things we're mentioning here in real time. Just head over to thedigitallife.com. That's just one L in the digital life and go to the page for this episode. We've included links to pretty much everything mentioned by everybody, so it's a rich information resource to take advantage of while you're listening, or afterward if you're trying to remember something that you liked. And if you want to follow us outside of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at John Follett. That's J-O-N-F-O-L-L-E-T-T. And the whole show is brought to you by Involution Studios, which you can check out at goinvo.com, G-O-I-N-V-O.com. Dirk? 
Folks, you can follow me on Twitter at DNemeyer. That's at D-K-N-E-M-E-Y-E-R. And thanks so much for listening. So that's it for episode 158 of The Digital Life. For Dirk Niemeyer, I'm John Follett, and we'll see you next time.